0: This is our popular audio edition of our monthly newsletter. So let's get started. All right. Well, has your start to 2022 been anything like you'd expect? Mine has not, like, not even close. I'll be honest, after a couple of years of like the panty-causing having, I thought we'd be enjoying the hot fact summer. Like I thought we'd be out doing all sorts of, you know, fun social things, laughs with friends, but it just hasn't really happened. Um, I've been humbled and slowed down a bit with a broken foot. Like, I know, a podiatrist with a broken foot? I've heard all the jokes too, like never trust a skinny chef, never trust a podiatrist who can't break and fix his own foot. So with, with this hot summer and a moon boot and limited socialising and the plague running riot, it's led me to a little bit more time to read and reflect and plan you know, my year ahead. And for that, it started me on my journey back to running with my first ever exercise physiology session. And I went and saw Aidan. So even though I knew how good getting the right exercise and the right plans would be, like I didn't realize how good it would make me feel about having that discussion and getting those plans put in place with Aiden and working with someone else. So I've got a coach and a confidant, someone who wants me to run again for me, like it's a really special feeling. And it's in that spirit that I want you to feel special too. So we love writing these newsletters and I love being able to read them out to you as well and providing a bit of assistance and encouragement in your ears or in your inbox. So this month, we've got Hannah encouraging you to get running again, Aiden's going to be talking about the tennis, and Navina is going to be helping everybody choosing their school backpacks. So let's enjoy it. Okay. First up, this is from Hannah Maloney, podiatrist. The things I wish I had known before starting my running journey. So recently, I completed my first half marathon and I've been reflecting on all the things I've learned and gained from the experience. Trust me, it's an experience. So I've decided to make a list of things to share with you guys in the hope that you'll benefit from it and avoid making some of the mistakes that I made. Here are seven things I wish I'd known before the run. First one, have a running goal. I find it extremely helpful to have some type of goal such as an event coming up that I can aim for. It doesn't have to be an event, it could be a little goal like setting a personal best on a 5K run or even just going for a three kilometer walk without stopping. By having a goal, this provides some motivation so that when we have the days where we don't feel like running, we can remember our goal which will help get us get back into the program without too much procrastination. Next up, have a schedule and a routine. And I find that having a program written up for me is how I achieve the most consistency in my running routine. Having a 12-week plan or even a weekly plan stuck on my wall helps me visualize what I'm meant to be doing each day. I also highlight each run once I complete it, so if I miss a run, I see an unhighlighted space, which annoys me, so that would make me do my run next time. I also find that a routine in terms of Thursdays are for intervals and Sundays are for long run helped my body repair, but also helped me to know what I had in store each week if I couldn't check my plan on the wall. Number three, listen to your body. This is one that I've been working on. It used to feel horrible when I had to miss a run due to an injury and would normally just push through even if it was painful. I thought surely getting a run in at half capacity was better than not running at all. Not true. By running whilst injured, this gives us less time to recover and can make the injury worse in the long run and mean even more missed runs later in the program and a slower pace on race day. This also goes for rest days. You don't need to run every day. Having a day off every now and then is actually really beneficial. I usually run every second day and do a workout and walk on my off running days, so I still feel like I'm doing something, but mixing it up a bit. Next up, easy runs are important. I used to think that when I go for runs, they all should be hard and fast. This is not the case, as easy runs are actually essential to help build up our aerobic strength. Also doing a variety of training styles such as interval, long runs, sprints etc are crucial in being able to help you get the best results. I used to wonder why I was never getting faster or improving and this was the main culprit. I wasn't running slow enough. Mix it up. This is another mistake I made when training for my first half marathon. I used to always run the same tracks on the same terrains for all my runs. So even though I was comfortable running 21km, doing it on a different route and surface than my usual run really made it a lot harder than it should have been on race day. So mix up your locations and services. If it is tricky for you to get to another track, even try to change the direction you run in. Also, if you have some hills nearby, definitely add a few of them in. Maybe it might be a bit hard, but you'll be thankful later. The most simple version of this is when you step outside your front door, you'll always turn left when you go for a run. Next time, turn right. Okay, it's not just about running. Adding some strength training into the routine is also a great idea, such as doing some abdominal and lower body workouts. This will help you build your strength endurance and most importantly, help you reach the PB you've been aiming for. Cross training is another great alternative and on your days off from running. Activities such as swimming and bike riding are great to get the cardio in, but also help you by using different muscle groups than running and applying less strain on the old joints. And finally, practice like it's race day. My last tip is to train like it's race day. What I mean by this is that for every long run for every long run that you have to prepare for, prepare like you would on the day of the event. This goes for the time of the run, the food you eat before and during the race, the clothes you're wearing, and even the day you are racing. Most runs are held in the Sunday morning, so aim to complete your long runs on a Sunday if you can. This will have your body prepared for the day, so no surprises pop up during the run. Don't do what I do and eat a totally different meal before the run from what you have practised. You'll be regretting about halfway through the run. Trust me. I hope you found these tips and tricks that I've learned over the last few months training for my half marathon helpful. If you have any tips that you'd like to share as well, please let me know. Moving on. Navina Sathabithi, our physiotherapist, is going to talk about school backpacks to look after young backs. When you think of school backpacks, where does your mind go? Do you think, ah, shivers, what do they want this year? The Spider-Man backpack or the school backpack from the uniform shop? How do I get my little one to look after a school backpack so it can last the whole year? Or how do I get them to wear their backpack properly so they can walk to school and I don't have to drive them? We stress over every aspect of our kids' lives. The fear of getting the wrong backpack and having a child getting a sore back and not being able to engage with their learning is real. We want our best for our children, but sometimes we're just not sure what to do. So here's where I can help out. I'm a physio and also a mum. Here's what we know from our physio world about school backpacks. First up, two straps are better than one. Carrying the bag on one arm can result in poor posture, leaning towards one side more than the other. This causes your back muscles to work harder to maintain their centre of gravity over the base of support when walking. The increased muscle activity being linked with fatigue and pain, especially in those kids with a history of sore backs. Number two, no more than 10% of body weight load. Research shows that carriage of up to 10% of body weight for 30 minutes there's no significant increase in metabolic cost or hip forces, meaning you're not working harder. For example, the most a kid's bag, of uh, if your child weighs 40 kilos, should be about 4 kilos. If they need to carry more, a wheeled backpack is a good alternative to carry more weight. Number three, do up the hip belt. Static strap force is the most important predictor in discomfort of back pain users. The pressure distribution under the shoulder strap and hip belt account for 85% of the discomfort experienced among backpack wearers. The hip region is way more tolerant to load and surface pressure than the shoulders. Therefore, shift the load from the shoulders to the hips where possible. Number four, wider straps are better. Interface pressure, another couple of big words there, is exerted by the backpack straps on the skin. The shoulder and the armpit, armpit area take the brunt of it. Studies have noted that the least amount of interface pressure is observed with wider straps, ideally around 8cm wide. Even better when they're padded. Number five, pack it right. Position the heaviest items close as possible to the back. Ensure that the contents are evenly distributed on both sides and don't move around. Number six, find the right size. Most companies use torso length to gauge the right size of backpack. So, how to measure a torso? You need to find these two landmarks. Landmark one. On each side of your trunk, slide your hands down to the top of the hip bones. This is the iliac crest. The spot midway between these bones and the lower back is the bottom of the torso measurement. Landmark 2 is the bony lump where the neck meets the slope of the shoulders. It's the C7 vertebra. This is the top of the torso measurement. Measure between the two of them and that's how you find torso length for backpack size. And finally, number 7, get the right fit. Put their backpack on, load it up with some weight. The aim of fitting is to adjust the different straps, the shoulders, the chest, the hip, so that most of the weight rests on the hips. Start with the hip belt. It should hug the top of the hip bone snugly. The shoulder strap attachment points on the backpack should sit at the top of their shoulder blades. They should wrap around the torso closely, but not carry too much weight. Allow for a reasonable amount of looseness in the straps to reduce surface pressure, while snug enough to prevent the backpack from moving around when walking. And the chest straps should sit under the collarbones. Aim for a comfortable fit, ensuring they can take deep breaths without any restriction. For more back-to-school content, we've actually got a few great articles that have been very popular this month on school shoes. Next up, we've got Aidan Rogers, my exercise physiologist, who's going to help you prepare like a pro. So with the turn of the new year, the ashes all wrapped up, us sports lovers turn our eyes to the next big thing, the AO, the Australian Open. If you're watching the Open this year, take a moment to notice the athletes' warm-ups, You might be able to take some learnings from this to using your own warm-up or at least help you understand a little bit more about what your EP or physio is getting you to do before getting into your exercise plans. For professional tennis, we really only see the players from when they walk on the court. We see the things like the side-to-side movement across the baseline and a variety of shots, shots while hitting the ball with a hitting partner, often their opponents across the court. You then might see players practice their serve faster, faster, faster. There's nothing quite like doing exactly what you're about to do in game, but starting at a lower intensity, then gradually building that intensity to prepare yourself for performance. The best way to warm up is through a dynamic warm up, where all the stretching and priming muscles, tendons and the nervous system is achieved while you are moving. The more you can replicate how you move and the speed at which you move, the better. The old static stationary, you know, that stretching, pulling stuff, it's from in the past. No more sitting on the ground and stretching with your legs out. Did you know that static stretching to play or completing your strength plan can reduce your performance and power output? Well, now you do, so prepare yourself by moving and not just trying to touch your toes. You can apply this principle to whatever you do, but if you need some expert advice, we're here to help. I hope you'll look at the warm ups a little bit differently now. And here's an intro to one of our team members, Jess Steinberg, superstar podiatrist in Melbourne City. Let's meet Jess. Jess has been fascinated with the human body and musculoskeletal function for as long as she can remember, leading to her career in podiatry. In her years of practice, Jess has always been passionate about helping her clients achieve their goals. She's sure to maintain a client-centered approach in everything she does, whether that's from helping them in the clinic or designing orthotics for them in the lab. You'll definitely be in good hands when you see her in our Collins Street practice. Jess is also a lifelong sports enthusiast, enjoys playing basketball and working out in her spare time. We've got a couple of blog updates as well to talk about. So in this episode, we've got a couple, one of our lovely podiatrists, Tanya, has gone through and she's put it out through a list of the best thongs in Australia. Because is there anything that is more Aussie summer than the sound of thongs slapping against your feet on as you walk and piping up sand? So head to prideplus.com.au, the blog page, and learn about the best thongs in Australia. And another one, yours truly, I've written an article about insoles for high arches. For the longest time, people with high arches really struggle with insoles and orthotics. And that's because, as podiatrists, we were prescribing them wrong. So in this article, I'll explain what our mistakes were, apologize for them, and give you a pathway forwards if you do have a high arch foot and what an orthotic or an insole can work for you. I hope you found that useful, and I hope you found it interesting. It's always a pleasure to get the opportunity to to talk about what we do in the clinic and how we can help you at Pride Plus Health. Um, if you want to get in contact, send us an email, jump on the, the socials. We're at, at Pride Plus Health or team at prideplus.com.au. You take care, everybody.